Hello and welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventure, or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. When I had the idea for this podcast, I, of course, started doing some research, thinking that there must already be podcasts out there talking about and celebrating the solo life. Um, Surely I wasn't unique in my thinking that this was something that was needed. And um, I went in search of solo. And the first podcast that I came across was a US-based podcast called Solo, A Single Person's Guide to Living a Remarkable Life. Um, And that podcast was hosted by Dr. Peter McGraw. Um, He is a professor in the University of Colorado Boulder. He is a behavioral scientist, a behavioral economist, um, and he created this movement, which is uh, spreading across the US and in turn the world, um, celebrating soloism and celebrating the idea that being single can be an extraordinary way of living. It doesn't have to be something that is pitied or second best, but in fact, we as single people can live remarkable, extraordinary, very full and very fabulous lives. On my very first episode of this podcast, I talked about Dr. Peter McGraw and the relationship escalator and the four ways of being single, which I learned from him from listening to his podcast. And so he has been uh, very much a guest that I have been very excited to welcome on. He's been in the diary for a few uh, months now as he has been very busy writing his book, which I'm sure he's going to tell us all about, which also celebrates solo life. So without further ado, we are live on uh, on video call from the United <laughs> States. Dr. Peter McGraw, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Ariana, You're so I have so many things to say. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm flattered to, to be on Solo Powered. I'm, I'm flattered that uh, my contributions have been useful. I would say I didn't start the movement. I'm trying to amplify a movement that has been, I think, burgeoning uh, for many years now. Uh, needed a label, you know, needed people, voices like uh, like ours to... Um, yes, to really step up and and talk about this thing, which, um, frankly, I started talking about with a lot of trepidation. Um, So so it's great to be here. I have to I have to make a comment. I have to make a comment. And that's, you know, the there I bet you there's a bunch of podcasts that celebrate being married. And in none of those podcasts does the person have have to say, well, it's just you and your partner, but that doesn't mean you're isolated. It means that you're together, but part of a community, you know? But yet, we have to add this single but not alone, single but connected um, tag to uh, any sort of ce- celebratory talk around singlehood. Um, now, the good news is it's a true statement. Which is just... It's just- but- Yes. 
which is just crazy because I mean I was looking today you you had a segment on the the Today Show and Maria Shriver you know called this um, a movement and the the hosts of the of the Today Show talked about how this was great that you know this was a great conversation that was that was happening and that needed to happen and I think you know for me being a very happy single person and living a fabulous life and have been doing so for a while and creating this podcast I'm almost kind of gone to the other side now where I'm thinking it's absolutely crazy that people think that that this needs yes. to be a conversation that this, you know I'm 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 gone to the other side where I mean I I was telling you I, I'm going to be featuring on on the a TV show here in Ireland and I had a call today with the researcher um and I was talking to her about my solo travel and my own solo experiences and she was saying, oh, my God, you know, I've never eaten in a restaurant on my own. I've never, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like going for a walk on my own. I always have to go with my boyfriend. I, I've never been to the cinema on my own. I mean, I couldn't even imagine going traveling on my own. Like, you're crazy. And I'm thinking the opposite, going, oh, yeah, how can you right. possibly live your life without doing things on your own, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, like, talk to me about your experiences of, you know, what I know you recently celebrated 150 episodes. You know, you must have so much insight now into this whole kind of world psychology. I'd love you to talk about the relationship escalator. You mentioned you have some new data that's come out around the four ways of being mm-hmm. single. I really want you to talk a lot here, Peter, and, and share with my listeners all of your insights, if you may. Well, as a man who has a face for radio, I was not expecting video today. So, um, but I, I, I'm happy to talk. Uh, so, well, I think I, I agree with you. Um, you know, 100 and now I'm 170 plus episodes in, and I'm I'm completely converted. You know, I'm sort of. Um, I'm living in this world where I'm actually worried. I'm starting to fall a little out of touch with the really traditional thinking folks. Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm now surrounded by this community, you know, by guests, by friends, um, by colleagues, you know, new peers, and I don't want to, I don't want to live in an echo chamber, you know. But uh, the way I feel about it is, I like to say that um, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man or the one-eyed queen, uh, one-eyed uh, queen is, you know, king. When I, one-eyed woman is queen, one-eyed man is king. However you want to say this. Because there's so much to understand and there's so much to do around this topic that just by putting a voice out there into the world qualifies you as an expert. Um, you know, whether it be about doing things alone, as, as is the, um, the primary focus of your, of, of your podcast. Um, and then me, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place, you know, scattershot with regard to this. I'd, I'd say my overarching goal is to celebrate single living, right? For people to feel, to, mm. to see the opportunities and, and mm. to, to feel the goodness in their singularity uh, there. So, yeah, I'm happy to, because I'm a behavioral scientist, I collect data on occasion. Um, I have some data that I, I'd be happy to share. I think one of the fun places we could start is I have data on who does what alone, uh, that is relevant to your um, your producer or your your member of your um, thing. So I surveyed a couple hundred plus single and married folks, and I asked them whether they do a variety like twenty eight activities, whether they do them alone or not. Uh, as you might imagine, 
single people do things alone in public way more than married people. Way more. And let's talk about those married people for a moment. I feel bad for those married people. And here's why. So, so one, I'll give you one, one example of data, okay? So one of the biggest differences between single and married people was that 42% of the single sample, these are Americans, um, but I don't have any reason to believe that it would be much different, probably even be higher in the UK. 42% of single people um, go to concerts alone. Only 16% of married people do that. Okay. Um, that these, uh, the data are similar for things like uh, going to a museum, 58% of single people versus 31% of married people. Movie, you mentioned that. 58% of single people go to movies alone, 25% of married people. Well, what this says to me is for those poor married people, you know, those people who have their life partner, have the one, but are chained to that person. Because here's what ends up happening. I want to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, I wanted to see them my entire life, right? I remember listening to them in college. They came to Denver. I decided to go to the show two hours beforehand. I bought a ticket. You know, I took the train over and I enjoyed an incredible show. You know, I'll never forget it. If I was married and it would be great if my partner loved the Red Hot Chili Peppers, probably not, maybe, probably not. Now what ends up happening? Either that Friday night, I drag her along to this show. I spend an extra $120 and she suffers through the show. Or I don't go because it's Friday night, right? And it just is a bad look to go without your partner and so on. And so in that way, I, I'd like to talk about the freedom of single living, right? You know, I get to go to the movies that I want to go to when I want to go to them, watch the one that I want to watch. Mm -hmm. I get to go to the concerts that I want to go to. Sometimes with a date, sometimes with friends, sometimes alone, depending on coordination rather than compromise. The rest of the, the data made me um, mixed about single living, right? Like I was excited that 58% of single people go to the movies alone. But I want that number to be 98%, right? I, I want people to know that it's, not just okay to do it, it's fabulous to do it. And there is no downside to it, right? There are no costs to going to a movie alone because A, no one cares, no one notices, and B, who cares what these other people think about what you're doing? Why put their happiness ahead of yours? And and actually there's, um, I, I did a, a single insight blog post about this. One of the things that I, I talk about is uh, there's these researchers, um, I call them the Rebecca's, uh, um, who did this research where they ask people about doing things alone in public. People think 
that it's going to be uncomfortable. They think they're not going to like it that much because they're going to be solo. And then as part of the experiment, they send people to like a museum alone um, or with someone else. And then they survey, how was the experience? And I mean, this won't be any surprise to you or the people who follow your podcast. The people who go alone had a great time because they get to stay as long as they want. They get to look at this piece of art as long as they want. They get to skip this section if they want. They get to go to the cafe as they like. They get to sit and journal. You know, they, they get to customize their museum experience uh, in a way that, you know, it's not superior. It's just good in a different way. It, you know, I was at, I went to the cinema uh, on my own on Saturday and I've been going to the cinema on my own for probably about 20 years. The first movie I went to see on my own was Bend It Like Beckham. So that's how long ago it is that I was going to see uh-huh, right movies on. on my own. And and I like don't like going to the cinema with other people. I actually was out with some friends last night and they were like, oh, do you want to go see the Barbie movie together? And I, my initial thought was not really because I want to go see that on my own. But OK, we'll make an event of it, you know, and we're going to uh-huh. go to like a, yeah. a special cinema that serves alcohol and all this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I I find it now, as I say, I've kind of gone over to that other side super strange that people think going into a dark room to watch a movie not speak to another person for two and a half hours is a weird thing to do right i mean and um and i feel like that's just kind of a sad reflection on society which is so geared towards coupledom and so geared towards this idea that being alone or on your own is somehow inherently bad or or wrong um and you know i completely understand from a human perspective that we as homo sapiens you know we come from a tribe mentality um but you know hu- uh, like animal nature you know the majority of animals are solo they don't mate for life right um you know there was always this idea of there being you know, lone wolves in, in in society or people who are quite content with being alone. Um, but now, and I'm sure you can you can verify this in terms of data, and I know in the U in the US, 50% of people are single. Um we're I'm in Ireland and Dublin, so I would say not the UK, but in, in Dublin in the last census in 2016, 41% of people were single in this country. And I imagine we just did another census last year, and I imagine those numbers will go up. Um so mm-hmm. from a societal perspective, there are huge amounts of single people. Um and I would worry, based off of that data that you mentioned of 58% going to the cinema on my own, that those 42% are living less happy lives because they feel that society is not wanting them to do things on their own, not wanting them to go to the cinema on the moment they have to hide away or that they have to sort of like, you know, not enjoy themselves as much because they are single. And I really want to try and you know, quash that that idea with this podcast um, and to get people who are feeling single or feeling sad about being single um, to change that mindset and to embrace being single and not feel like it's something that is negative. I mean, is that your experience in terms of what you've learned from the different people that you might have had on your podcast as well? Indeed. Yes, 100%. Um, So, I mean, I think there's a lot of mythology around um, uh, coupledom, the relationship escalator. 
uh, we can talk about what the relationship mm. escalator is. Yeah, uh, if you listener. can. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So, but let's let's step back for a moment because the relationship escalator had to be invented. Right? It's actually a rather new invention in mm. human history. Right. So, um, so I um, I start my book with um, a chapter on what I call human domestication. Uh, you know, what is it that makes uh, Homo sapiens so special and humans in general so special? There are, there are actually no other humans besides Homo sapiens at the moment. Um, but, you know, so I started with Lucy, right? So Lucy was a, a predecessor of, of um, humans, you know, somewhere around three million years ago. She lived in a hunter-gatherer tribe. Um, her descendants also, so Homo sapiens evolved about 200,000 years ago. We've spent most of our existence in hunter-gatherer tribes, small groups of kin and friends, essentially, um, in, in which pair bonding happened. People fell in love, people had sex, people um, had children's to, children together, but those, those bonds weren't forever. Right? A, a pair bond, this, this close emotional attachment is about one to three years, you know, the honeymoon phase, so to speak. Um, and that worked well enough because the community, the tribe, was highly involved in the raising of children and, um, and so on. And by the way, those, those tribal members still had time to themselves, you know, as they hunted, as they foraged. Um, these were not big communities, so you could go to the outskirts and have alone time. You know, hunter-gatherer times were not a constant rave, uh, you know, that was happening. But because of survival, people had to stay close. And to go it alone during those days was certain death, right? You needed the community. 12,000 or so years ago, someone got the bright idea to start to farm, right? The agrarian age, right? So rather than yeah. moving around, we're going to stay in one place. We're going to raise our crops. We're going we're gonna to solve some problems. We're going to create a whole bunch of new problems. And we're going to create a bunch of new inventions to solve those problems, one of which was the invention of marriage. So marriage is only about 4,500 years old or so. Uh, and it looks a lot like the one that we have now, except for the case that it was an arranged marriage. It was a business partnership. It was about alliances. Um, and so... Uh, as especially as a woman in an arranged marriage, uh, you you hoped that your husband would be kind to you. You hoped he wouldn't beat you, and perhaps some sort of affection or love would would emerge. Hardly the romantic type of stuff that people think about as you walk down the aisle and your father gives you away as a woman, right? That harkens all the way back to these alliances where. You were the property of your father, and then you became the property of your husband. Um, and so, um, so the nature of the escalator, as Amy Guerin calls it in her wonderful book, Stepping Off the Relationship Escalator, Uncommon Love and Life, um, has this now, because we live in this sort of love marriage, growth marriage world, because we live in this urbanized world where, um, thankfully, women have choice. Uh, unlike, and actually husbands have choice too, well, men have choice too, to choose their partner and to try to make it lifelong um, and, and maybe, you know, not have their in-laws live with them perhaps too. Uh, so we know what this looks like. You meet someone, you flirt, you go out on some dates, you bump uglies, 
you know, feelings develop, you define the relationship, you meet their friends, you meet their family, you move in, you merge your finances, you merge your identity, your lifestyle. I call it, you know, you create Benifer out of Ben and Jennifer. And um, ideally in the United States, especially, you get married, you have kids and you buy a house, you know, the American dream. And even if you're comfortable not doing that, the community, your friends and family, think there's something wrong if you don't take those final steps. And this escalator ride is only successful when someone dies within the relationship. So any termination of the relationship earlier than death is something to be commiserated. And, um, and this is a... We know, we know this, no one ever teaches you the exact steps, but they model it. You know, your friends have ridden the escalator. You may have ridden it partially or all the way. Your parents probably did. It's shown in movies. It's sung about in love songs. It's the, you know, the featured uh, uh, narrative within television uh, and so on uh, there. And, and that, um, that escalator has a set of rules. I mentioned one, merging. Number two, it's a high-status relationship. It becomes the most important adult-adult relationship in your life. It, it crowds out other relationships, as we talked about already. Um, that other person often has veto power over your behavior. And then the 800-pound gorilla, um, which wasn't present in our hunter-gatherer days and isn't present in the, um, uh, in the animal kingdom, not even present in March of the Penguins, the, the movie that celebrated it, is consistent sexual and romantic monogamy. So this is a closed, exclusive relationship, which does not allow romance or sex outside of the relationship. But by the way, as Amy Guerin likes to, to remind people, it doesn't guarantee that those things exist within the relationship. Um, so we're living in a vestiges of the world where nearly everybody did that. So in 1960, 72% of adults were married. 90% would go on to get married at age 21. As you mentioned uh, earlier, those numbers have been dropping steadily uh, since then with, um, I think, no end in sight. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I just, I love hearing you, you talk about it and explain it in that way. Um, I'm conscious of, you know, a white man and a white woman as we are, I'm presuming Christian, I'm, you know, coming from that Catholic Irish background, I'm conscious of that, that relationship escalator existing in that way. But also still today, there are arranged marriages in lots of cultures around the world, you know, in mm -hmm. Asian cultures, in Middle Eastern countries. Um, there are still lots of factors that get added into that within, say, for example, maybe the Jewish community, which is very much about, you know, keeping interfaith religions, marriages, part of those kinds of things within those that relationship escalator, which adds a whole load of other um, issues, problems and, you know, kind of restrictions, I suppose, for 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 people who are finding themselves on that escalator and not able to get off it. Right. So I'm, I'm conscious of that and, you know, conscious as well of what you talked about. I, I've been sort of preaching that, you know, the invention of this sort of idea of marriage coming from agriculture and coming from the idea that, you know, people needed to find their heir and, and you know, who, know who to pass the land on to, etc. I've also been talking about, you know, for me, 
thinking about new way of being single, which I will talk about as well, hopefully. Um, you know, I live, I live by myself. I have a super king bed. I love sleeping on my own. And I was thinking if I fall in love and meet someone, I don't want to sleep in the same bed with them every night. And I was thinking right. about that, thinking actually that comes from, from being poor, right? That comes from people being poor, being cold, living in tenement buildings where there wasn't an awful lot of, of space or room, people coming, you know, having lots of big families, you know, in, in medieval times. Whereas, you know, kings and queens always lived in separate suites, separate bedrooms, you know, it, it, it was, it, it, there's, there wasn't necessarily any particular reason why two people should sleep in bed together other than to keep warm, right? And yes, of course, conjugal visits and sex and all of those kinds of things are important as well. But it's about that sometimes when people are sleeping separately, that there's something wrong with their marriage or they don't really love each other if they don't sleep in the same bed every night, which again, you know, is just this kind of crazy idea. Um, but just to mention to you as well, before we go on, I, I'm, I'm, I know that you're a professor and a, and a scholar. I don't know if you know much about Brehon law, which is the um, old traditional way um, uh, how people lived in Ireland um, thousands of years ago. And uh, I'm a celebrant. So it's actually where we get the term tying the knot. Right. So hand fasting ceremonies were very commonplace during mm. Brehon times in Ireland, where when you got married, your hands were fasted together. But it was a very just fair society women were equal in society back then um, you could decide to be married for one year and one day and then you would come back together and decide whether you wanted to continue your marriage and if you did you would hand fast your, mm -hmm. your, your hands again and if you wanted to get divorced you would take 11 steps away from each other and that would you be you know you were no longer together but a woman was still entitled to 50% of everything that the, the, the couple had it was a very interesting different society and then Christianity came in to Ireland and took all of that away <laughs> um, right. but you know and I think it, I think it is I, th I think you know sometimes people aren't curious enough about the past about why we are doing things that we're doing why are we sleeping in bed with each other and why are we getting married what is all of this for people just think it's the done thing without really thinking about all of that past of where it all comes from which is why I, I find this conversation so fascinating and hopefully the listeners will will um as well um but yeah were you, are you familiar with brehon law at all or i'm not no um i find it really quite fascinating um and and exciting i mean the thing about this is this is a cultural invention right so so human superpowers mm. are ability to cooperate our ability to um, to domesticate and be domesticated, to create rules, right? You know, things that are made up that govern behavior, that are enforced by other, yeah. other people. And as a result, the rules change, thankfully, right? You know, we, as we progress, as we, as we have scientific insights, et cetera. Um, they, but they don't always improve as you just mentioned, right? So you described a society where women had more equality and then um, that was overtaken by mm -hmm. a, um, a society where women had left. You, you mentioned um, places that have arranged marriages, right? India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Yemen, United Arab Emirates, Nigeria, Egypt, Sudan, Ethiopia, and Somalia, to name a few. All of these places um, are places where the patriarchy is alive and well. Right? People also forget that marriage was invented by men um, and that women were possessions. 
And so um, one of the wonderful things that has happened, uh, the rise of singles has coincided uh, with the rise of women. So you give women freedom, you give, you give women access to economic opportunities, to educational opportunities, and some of them decide that they don't need a man, that they don't need a marriage. Um, the, the rise of, of, of economic opportunities more generally, the inventions that, have al that allow people to live on their own, are a great luxury, a great privilege uh, to have. And again, you know, when someone doesn't have to couple up to survive, a certain portion of us decide not to, to do that. And so to me, the rise of singles is about the rise of humanity. It, it's actually a, um, it's a really exciting love story of sorts where people get to choose the path that is right for them. And so um, I'm sorry that that happened to your culture. You know, I think that that was a great step back uh, in many, you know, in, 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 in most ways, in a sense. Now, I, I suspect that it was the case that there was tremendous amount of pressure to partner up in that time. You just had more say and, and the oh yeah we didn't have a choice in that matter i mean we were invaded by right. first the the vikings then then the celts and the anglo-saxons and then you know religion the romans everybody came into our beautiful little land and 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 changed everything um uh you know to to coincide with what the rest of the world were doing which i suppose goes to our point mm -hmm. right that there is this idea this sweeping idea that there is a right or wrong way to be um and there is a, a right or wrong way to live our to live your, your life and I think it's very uh very exciting to be as you say potentially at the forefront of these conversations you know I mean as I said in, in doing my research for this podcast I came across yours I came across Lucy Megginson who was on your uh podcast mm -hmm. and has spinsterhood reimagined who I've had here on a guest but then, you know, the, the list starts to sort of get smaller. Bella de Paolo, Shani Silver, you know, there are there are names that kind of keep coming up. Um, there are obviously, you know, books and kind of research papers and things like that. But it's still very much a small sort of sector of, tiny. Of, of, of people who are. Yeah. And it's now it's just so crazy to me that 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 is the case that mm -hmm. um that there's not more being and you know as you said the the what you talked about a rise up of of humanity and about women you know becoming um you know more free in in their ability to make their own choices and 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 humans too okay i i think it's it's men and women i think you know social media has broken down a huge amount of dictatorships and has broken down a huge amount of um you know re restrictions that people may have had on their lives and on their thinking religion has obviously sort of like dissipated a lot over the years where religion was really kind of dictating how people should live their lives Obviously, coming from Ireland, you know, we went from being a country that was ruled by Britain to becoming an independent country in 1922. But all that really meant was that we were then really governed by Rome. We were governed by the Pope. Um, you know, we were really a very religious country up until the last maybe 20, 30 years when a lot of very big scandals and, you know, very big, um, you know, traumas were unearthed uh, as a result of, of that kind of um, ownership over our, our, our way of living and our way of thinking. And so we have really broken out from that as well. And I think that's the, the 
that's the point is that really people in Ireland have probably only had about a good 30, 40 years of freedom, right? Of feeling this idea of like, oh, like what's this free thinking about? You know, how am I going to live my life? And I'm not being ruled or governed by uh, uh, by a, a rulership, by a by a monarchy, or by a, a religion, right? And I think that can be a, a very scary place to be. Certainly, from a governmental perspective, that can lead to all kinds of anarchy. You know, it could it could it could lead to this sort of like free way of thinking, um, which is why I think, and I've talked about this before, about how the government definitely do still try to create a way of thinking that being in a family, being in a couple is the best way mm-hmm. to be. They offer tax breaks for being in a married couple, you know, and um, there isn't an awful lot of support for single people, which was really evident to me during COVID when, you know, as single people, we were just kind of overlooked as a society. <laughs> it was sort of like not really, no one was really checking in on us single people, you know, who's, who were sort of not able to go out and date and meet people and have sex outside of the home. You know, it was illegal to have sex outside of the home, right? So if you're a single person, what does that mean for you? Like, mm-hmm. you know, people weren't talking about women like me who I was 38 my biological clock was ticking away you know there was there was an illegality to me being able to go out and choose the life and live the life that I wanted to have um it's 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 quite shocking when we look at those kinds of 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 things and realize that there is a huge amount of waking up that society needs to have when it comes to this rise in humanity as you call it Indeed, yeah. I'm still waiting for my apology. It hasn't come yet uh, from the government. Uh, So I I definitely concur. (laughs) You know, one thing that I I like to point out is, um, you know, marriage was an invention to solve a set of problems created by an agrarian age, you know, and, um, you know, it spread through the world because it's a good enough solution. You know, it's not ideal, obviously, but it's a good enough solution for society. That is, what's often good for society is actually not often good for the individual. And so society, through written laws or through social norms, tries to push people into the behavior that is good for society, which is seen as partner up, settle down, have, you know, have, have children in that sense. I think what's going to happen is this is going to become impossible to ignore. And there's gonna be a lot of hand wringing and pearl clutching about the rise of singles and um, concerns that it means the demise of society. And so like the religious types like to say that this is a symptom of a, of a declining society. I think that is actually the opposite of the case. Actually the most progressive societies, the best places to live in the world are seeing the biggest rise of singles. Uh, so I recently did a trip to Sweden. I went to Stockholm. I call it this, the singles capital of the world. Um, so nearly 60% of uh, Stockholm residents are, are um, live alone. And what, uh, and Switzerland, ha- excuse me, um, Sweden happens to be, you know, top 10 perennially in best places to live in the world the happiest people in the world. Um, And the reason for that is, um, besides a good economy, is that Swedes prioritize the individual. So benefits come at the individual level, not at the couple level. 
And so what it allows mm. people to do is to choose the path rather than default into a coupled path, right? So you don't need to marry to get health insurance, which some people in America have to do. You know, you have generous unemployment benefits, so you can take a chance on a job. You can become an entrepreneur. You have um, free education, right? So you don't need someone else to help support you while you go to university uh, and so on. The singles capital of Asia, I say, is, uh, is South Korea, Seoul. Right, so this is not just about individualistic cultures. This is happening in collectivistic cultures. Uh, South Korea is the 11th most collectivistic country in the world, and they're seeing a rise in single living. And some of that is because people don't want to be lockstep into this very rigid, conforming South Korean model of go to university, work hard, get a job at Samsung, get married, buy a house, have kids, all of which is very expensive and difficult to do. And, um, and so you have what's called the Han jokes, this group of young people who are rebelling against that uh, there. So, so that's the first critique, which is, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And actually, that's not the case, right? The, 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 the places that, have, that treat women the best have the highest rates of singlehood, right? So to me, I just, I just don't believe that argument. The other argument is depopulation. Oh, no. We're going to, um, we're putting humanity at stake, right? So I give talks and people point out like Elon Musk is concerned about depopulation. We're not, we don't have a replacement rate, uh, you know, fertility rates that are high enough, et cetera. And, you know, that one's a lot squishier. And my reaction to that is, um, I think we'll figure it out. And I'm not going to get in the business of telling an individual that they ought to have babies for the sake of humanity. You know, I'm, I, I intend to be pro-individual here as long as they're not harming society. Um, this, uh, this concern about depopulation, let's see how that plays out before we get too yeah. up in arms about. And I've had a guest on my podcast um, talking about having a baby on her own. I've talked about that uh, idea myself. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually kind of, you know, revealing on this podcast that I am on actually in discussions with a, a friend of mine um, and he and his husband um, are uh, in discussions with me about us having a baby together and us creating a platonic, you know, co-parenting sort of situation that works for all of us. Um, and you know, that to me is like really uh, an exciting move because I know a lot of people are having babies on their own. A lot of single women are choosing to have babies through sperm donate donation. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think actually there's a lot of gay couples out there who may be finding it difficult to have children. Um, and so there is an opportunity to create an, a new way of being. And, you know, we'll, we'll, again, we'll touch on that four ways of being single. Um and so for me, I definitely fall into that new way category of being able to live the extraordinary life and, you know, to use the name of your podcast, but to be able to live my life on my terms um, without having to sacrifice 
um, the things that come with being a woman or being human, such as maternal instinct, such as a desire to be part of a, you know, community or part of a mm-hmm. partnership of some kind. Um, you know, it's still very much, as I say on my podcast, not about living a lonely life, but about living the most full life. And I think when we start to think differently about how we can live our lives, a lot more opportunities actually open up to us. So it's not about, you know, a sort of creating this idea of there being less, but it's actually about there being more and there being Mm -hmm. ways in which we as a human society can come together even more so to the benefit of everyone and not just a traditional, you know, kind of couple family situation. and I think, you know, as I've been having these conversations, I've been trying to Google and research it as well and finding very little on it. I'm, you know, again, I'm shocked. I'm like, well, am I this progressive of a person? Like, clearly. Um, but there seems to be not an awful lot even of information out there. So I'm having to navigate this from a legal perspective and, you know, different things to think about when entering mm-hmm. into this kind of a- a- arrangement. But for me, as I think about it and the more I talk about it to friends and things like that, I start to see that actually this is exactly the most perfect arrangement for 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 me. And I, it's not that I'm missing out or I feel sad that I'm not in a couple or I'm not having a traditional. I'm like, I get to have a child with two awesome people and that child gets to have an yes. even greater, bigger family of people to love it. You know, I get to have a night or two off a week or a weekend a month off while the child goes and spends time with their with their you know with their dads I mean this is this is wonderful in so many ways right and it's not about kind of like oh poor me that I didn't meet someone and have a child in a traditional way because in the majority of cases as we know with divorce levels and you know single parent families and things like that but a lot of the time it doesn't work out love doesn't last forever so you know, we're, we, I think, as a society are putting too much on this thing called love. <laughs> um, and when love doesn't happen anymore, you know, we uh, we're broken. Uh, you know, you know, people talk about broken homes, broken relationship, broken marriages. Um, and I actually think that we can enter into a new society which is fixed from the outset. Yes. Well, I think that's very exciting. Congratulations on entertaining and pursuing something that's going to solve your problems, right? So, you know, the existing structure is not well suited for you. And so you're looking for a way to relax, you know, or remove some of the rules in order to create a, um, a family of choice, you know, which I think is really, really wonderful and exciting. Um, I, I think it's interesting that, that society is very eager to celebrate diversity, right? And to recognize the value that diversity has, right? To have different perspectives and different lifestyles and different values, that the sum of those things is greater than, um, than the sum of um, a singular society, in a sense, right? It's a, it's a society that is more interesting, it's more creative, um, it's uh, it's actually a more robust society. It's a society that, that people feel more accepted in and so on. Well, singlehood is just a different form of 
diversity, right? And you had mentioned this, you know, the, there's research on the role of lone wolves, right? So, so the hermits of the world are going to help us come back from nuclear holocaust, right? Like there is a, there's actually an evolutionary benefit of loners, uh, that's there. And so if we had a society in which everybody coupled up, we'd actually be a weaker species than one in which we allow people to not couple up. And so, um, so I think it's very exciting to allow people to, to do this. It can be really freeing, you know, that the nuclear family is really conforming. It's, um, I think it's, it's hard on both men and women, right? Women were in the, in, you know, working as homemakers, their, their work wasn't as valued. Their work wasn't as, for many of them, as interesting as being in the workforce or doing these other things. And for men, being a breadwinner, and it's, there's a reason men live six years less on average, you know, for a whole variety of reasons. One of them is they take more dangerous jobs. They live more stressful lives. They work themselves to death in order to support this family. And so allowing degrees of freedom for people to do this is good for humanity. This is actually part of a, a, a general development. Those early hunter-gatherer days, there was one of two roles. You either hunted or you foraged, you know? And men tended to hunt, women tended to forest. That wasn't forage, that wasn't always the case, but those were the general rules. But what if you weren't good at those things? Or what if you didn't like doing those things? You were stuck doing them. Well, what happens is we started to develop culture and language, and now you could become a storyteller. Now you could become an artist, right? Like, I don't want my stand-up comedian friends to get married and have kids. I want them making comedy. I want them married to comedy and on the road, right? Making the world a more delightful place. So I, I think that the more people who can hear this um, and be inspired by it, the better off they're going to be. But I also believe that, um, that the world is going to be better off for it. Um, I do have a mm -hmm. resource for you um, that you should check out. Um, so I had a... a um, podcast guest named Diana Adams. Uh, and she, the episode is called uh, Supporting Non-Nuclear Families. And so she is a lawyer and practitioner in New York City. And she has a nonprofit. Um, and I think you should reach out to them. I'm sure they have connections in Europe for how to navigate this because the government is not well suited for this. You're going to need contracts and you're going to need a lawyer and maybe an accountant and so on to, to manage this new form of uh, family. So good luck. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Any, any and all resources are gratefully received. Um, but I, I just to, to go back on what you were, what you were talking about there. And I suppose, you know, um, the reason why I'm doing this podcast is again, I go, I suppose this progressive way of thinking about roles. So, you know, when you talk about, there was two roles of, of being, there was the hunter or there was the forager, um, you know, the, you know, for, for me, I, I have 11 different sources of income. I ha I do lots of different things. I'm a, a life mm -hmm. coach and a celebrant and a consultant and I work for a magazine and I work in sales and I create podcasts and I, you know, do all of these different things. And I, I, I know we are, we are similar creatures, Peter, because, you know, on your website, you have this like constantly changing thing that says Peter is a professor and a lecturer mm -hmm. and a podcast host and a author and all of these kinds of things. And a and bachelor. I was on a, 
A bachelor, a bachelor. A bachelor. Yeah, you see, I'm yes. a spinster is such a negative <laughs> word, you know. Um, but uh, I. I was on a radio show at the beginning of the year here and a listener called in and called me a renaissance woman, right? And um, I had been referring to myself up to that point as like a multi-hyphenate and um, a renaissance man. There wasn't really that many renaissance women, you see, because in the 16th mm -hmm. century, you know, <laughs> women were, 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 again, it was that whole kind of way of, of being in terms of women being possessions and things like that. Um, when there were renaissance women back then, it's they were sort of ugly women who maybe were seen as not being able to maybe uh, find a, a mate and so they had to kind of like uh -huh. busy themselves with other things like literature or music and point needlework and poetry and whatnot. Um, but, you know, a, a Renaissance man was someone who had lots of different interests, skills, abilities. Mm -hmm. um, and as a coach, as someone who works with people around business, um, you know, I'm really, really working on trying to change the idea and the mindset that you can only be one thing, um, that you can only be a doctor or a lawyer or a banker. You can only, you know, you know, sit in a silo and do this one job mm -hmm. and not really kind of go outside of that. Um, whereas for me, I'm trying to push this narrative of we can be many things, we can do many things, we can use our skills in many ways and make money in different ways that don't fit the normative way of being and thinking as a society. That as a concept is still something that I'm having to swim against the tide on. You know, people don't yes. get it. They know, but I, they will say to me, what do you, what do you mean, Ariana? Like, how can you do all of these things? We, we, that doesn't make sense to us. You know, you pick one thing, focus on one thing. Um, and I always say I'm focused on making money and being happy doing the things that I love doing, you know? Um, yeah. but I think, you know, that's what the purpose of this, my podcast is, but I suppose, for you and, and for your podcast with this sort of living an extraordinary life, I think it's very exciting to be preachers of breaking free of the shackles of being one way of being when we can be many ways of being and we can be many things. Yes. And when you let go that rigid structure of the relationship escalator, it gives you more optionality, the freedom to choose these other paths. Right. Because I, I joked that so I, I just um, wrote a book. I did it in 135 days, which um, really took a lot out of me. And I, I joked that if I was on the escalator, I couldn't have done that. You know, I, I think or, yeah, I just don't think I could have done that. Or at least my relationship would have suffered greatly. You know, now, if I was in a new way relationship and we can talk about those those four categories, um, I, I, I could have negotiated that. And I think I would have been able to do that, but mm -hmm. that would have taken a very progressive partner uh, in a sense. And so um, so I, I, I'm with you on that. We're not insects. You know, we, we are not meant to do the same thing over and over again. And so um, pursuing a psychologically rich life, uh, you know, is one that is challenging, but it's growth inducing. And it's one that is an adaptable life right for changing times uh for aging for changing development and for changing circumstance right so so you know if you have a child you know now you get you now you have different roles and jobs that you can lean into that are going to be more amenable for motherhood than if you had just dedicated your entire life to becoming a partner in a law firm right that demands 80 hour weeks right and now you're you're a mother but basically someone else is raising your child 
right, is what often happens in that kind of, of sense. And, and some people are comfortable mm. with that and some people feel the tension between those. I think you're setting yourself up to a, to a world where you don't have to make those trade-offs to the same degree. Hmm. Yeah, I saw a funny meme there recently, and it was like a, a, a man who had written a book and he dedicated it to his wife and two children who he said, without whom this book would have been written two years earlier. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so to your to your point, um, but yeah, like I think definitely let's crack into that whole sort of the four sure. ways of being single because I think that's a really interesting one and it, and it allows us to explore the new way, um, you know, which we'll talk about because I don't want this to be a an us versus them thing. I don't want this to be a single versus my, like what my point is, there is no right way of being, there is no wrong way of being. If you can find a happy relationship and feel fulfilled within that relationship, that is wonderful. But a lot yes. of people are in unhappy relationships because they feel that they need to be because of what society dictates. And I think, you know, it, it, it's very much a case of, yes, I'm living a solo life at the moment, but I'm open to being in a relationship, as I'm sure, you know, maybe you might be, Who you know, who knows? It's not about mm -hmm. isolating ourselves. It's just about looking at new ways of living. So let's crack into that, 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 four, that four ways of being single, if we may. Yeah, certainly. And I... I I resonate with this idea. This is not us versus them. Um, and, and in part, what I'm, what I'm trying to help people do is transition from being single to being solo. And um, I think that that is an important distinction because solo is independent of relationship status. Solo is about identity rather than, you know, who you're sleeping with or not. Uh, so what I say is that, um, so, the traditional single, I call a someday single. Right? So if you, if you watch Sex in the City, uh, Charlotte is a, is a someday single. She wants to ride the relationship escalator. She is waiting and hoping, somewhat hopelessly, for that to happen. And she feels less than until that happens. And I feel bad for someday singles because they want this thing and for some of them it's going to be out of reach for a variety of reasons they're not an appealing enough partner they live in a place where there there are not enough appealing partners for them you you have to rely on the cooperation of someone else to complete you to make you feel whole and um and it's just it's no good to feel like you're living in this liminal temporary space, which may extend years and into a lifetime. So um, that's the someday and that's the, you know, that's the sort of traditional model uh, that um, the people are sort of defaulting into. The solos don't see themselves as incomplete. They are, as I say, wholehearted. They're not waiting around for someone to make them whole. They see themselves as whole. They are singular, right? They are whole and unique individuals. Um, they are also uh, tend to be um, self-reliant. They tend to be more autonomous. That is, they seek to solve their own problems, to parent themselves, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. What is it that makes someone an adult? Is to be a good parent to yourself. And then to not have to rely on a partner to do parenting for you. Right? doesn't mean that you don't want a partner. It just means you don't need a partner. 
And we happen to live in a world where that's increasingly easier to do compared to the worlds that you were describing earlier. They are lastly, they tend to be unconventional thinkers. That is that they don't default into the norms of the day. They question the norms. They question whether the escalator is the right fit for them. They may decide that it is right fit for them, but they question it. And when you start questioning the norms of the escalator, you have a tendency to question the norms more generally. So these are unconventional thinkers, right? So I like to say, to say like some, the someday thinking is like easy listening. Solo listen, solo is like punk rock, right? You know, it's, it's rebellious. <laughs> Within the solos, there are three types. There are the just may solos. I just may find my person, right? I just may ride the escalator, right? So Carrie and Miranda from Sex in the City are like this. They date, but they don't date with this singular focus, right? They date men that are flawed, that are interesting. Um, Carrie says at one point, um, going on a date is like trying on an outfit. You don't know until you try it, try it on, you know? And so the Just Maze um, would like to ha this to happen, but they're not waiting around. They don't feel less than. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. They're living a remarkable life. Uh, the third... The third one is the no ways. Now, there are no one on Sex in the City who's a no way single, but the no ways are a huge group, right? So you had mentioned earlier, one out of two adults in the United States are single. That's 128 million people. One out of two of them are not interested in dating or a relationship at the moment. I'm going to say that again because that's a shocking number. One out of two single adults in the United States are not interested in dating or a relationship at the moment. That is, it's just as normal to want to date as, as it is to not want to date. And these people are being completely ignored because we just assume everybody wants this. But these people don't. Um, the, the, the reasons are varied. A small number of them, uh, it's for negative reasons. Uh, they haven't had luck in the past. They feel like no one would like them. I feel like I'm too old. But the majority of reasons for why people are no way singles are positive. I have more important priorities at the moment. Or I just like being single. What Bella DiPaolo, um, who uh, is just a giant uh, in, this, in this area, calls single at heart. And then there's the last group, and it's the smallest group. I believe it's the fastest growing group and it's certainly the sexiest group in my opinion. And these are the new way singles. These are the, these are the solos who um, welcome a relationship, but it's going to be unconventional in some way. And what they're doing is bending or breaking the rules of the escalator as necessary to customize the relationship that they want to be in. So maybe they want to be in a friends with benefits situation, right? Maybe they're polyamorous. Maybe they're a solo monogamous. So they want to have a, a escalator partner in every way, except they don't want to live with that person. Maybe they want a platonic partnership. They want to create a, a golden girls situation where their, their best friends um, have the status of a, you know, of a, a romantic partner and so on. I mean, the permutations of this are infinite in a sense uh, there. And I think that group is, um, 
is really exciting because it gets you t- it gives you a chance to rather than have to say no i don't want it this at all or i have to have this one type of relationship i get to choose and so um mm. i i've been really sort of keen on on um talking to them and learning from them and um and and presenting this as an alternative path to people because it may, may work better for them yeah, I just I love that. And I, I, you know, I love hearing it from you again. Like I said, I touched on it at the beginning of this whole um, of this whole podcast. And I actually did have some messages from people saying that, you know, hearing about those four ways of thinking really opened their eyes and, mm. you know, really started to get them thinking about what their life was like. And, you know, I'm I'm most certainly in a, a, a new way. And um, what I find very exciting about that in much the same way that I was talking about a rise up of, of humanity and there being greater choices is that, you know, for me now, I'm not restricted by age, right? I can date anyone of any age, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but prior to that, you're thinking about people having to be in the same age category to be thinking the same things, whether that be with marriage, with, with kids, mm-hmm. you know, with circumstance, you know, all of those kinds of things. If I choose to have a, a baby in in a platonic partnership situation, then that opens and frees me up to go out dating without that big elephant in the room of, yes. a, a, you know, a child or a kid being there, right? And I can then, you know, uh, go and be with people who also have children. I probably don't ever have to live with someone. I own my own apartment. I want that to be my own uh, my own apartment that, I've, that I have ownership of, that it's not like a shared equity situation mm-hmm. like all of these things all that this does for me is just open up more and more and more possibilities yes. it's, it's it's so non-restrictive it's actually you know a, a, a greater more exciting way of of potentially living life um and you're you know as you say it's it's definitely a sexier way of being um and and you know to that point again sex is such a new uh, kind of revolutionary thing. You know, the sex revolution of the 60s, the 70s, we're still experiencing uh, the, the, the new way of thinking around that. You know, polyamory is still such a new idea. Mm-hmm. Open relationships are still such a new idea, uh, you know, and yet they have been around for centuries. Yeah, they people have been, have been having group you know, sex for a long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think, it, it, you know, this whole idea of, of society waking up and opening up to this new way of being makes things much more exciting. Ariana, I want to um, point out something that I think could really matter to your listeners. And I um, I, th- I suspect you had this experience. I certainly had this experience. So we have people who are single by choice. Right. These are the no ways. We have those unfortunate souls who are single by chance, right? I, I was once single by chance. Like as a young man, I was hapless, right? I wanted to have sex. I wanted a girlfriend. I wanted love. I couldn't make that happen, you know? And so it felt clearly outside my control. And so I celebrate the single by choice people, you know, and I commiserate with the single by chance people. But as I got into my 30s, and I could have girlfriends, and I did have girlfriends, um, I struggled in those relationships. And those relationships um, often came to an end, not because I didn't love my partner, not because we didn't get along. 
um, but because we wanted different things. And I used to think, and by the way, if I had gone to a couple's therapy, the therapist would have sided with my girlfriend, right? Which is, what's wrong with Peter that he can't make this happen, right? And so I had this identity, I had this narrative in my head that there was something wrong with me, that I could not ride this escalator. And, and the insight that I had was that I was single by mismatch. That is, I wanted romance. I wanted sex at various times. Sometimes I was in no way, but oftentimes um, I wanted it. I just didn't want all of it. I didn't want kids. I didn't want to move in, you know, and because I didn't want that, I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't think there was something wrong with the escalator, mm. right? And so what happens is the new ways have the insight. There's not, I mean, look, there's stuff that's wrong with me. I've got lots of issues, we all do, but it's not that, right? It's the escalator doesn't work with me, nothing wrong with it for you, for someone else, for the girlfriends who, went on and married men and had children and lived with their husbands happily now, um, that that was so liberating to recognize, oh, it's not me, it's this thing. And there's this other menu of options that I can choose from or now go even further and design my own relationship, right? So I practice mm. something called relationship design where my partner and I co-create our relationship. So it is unique to the world. That is incredibly exciting and really sexy, I think, and so liberating. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and 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 you know, th this is what I was saying, you know, for people who are questioning maybe how I would make things work with with, uh, you know, these, you know, this married couple who are potentially having a baby with what's so exciting is that mm -hmm. you get to design, you get to create from the outset what life looks like, um, and how to put this child at, as the priority within that. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about was say, for example, Christmas, right? What happens at Christmas time? Um, now, when you're in a when you're in a relationship where you have a child and you're in a love relationship mm -hmm. and you have a child and for whatever reason that relationship breaks down, Christmas becomes that sticking point on, and it becomes the, the area where people are like, oh, you know, I, I want to spend Christmas with the ch my child this Christmas and they get to spend it next Christmas and that becomes an issue. Whereas if we're designing mm -hmm. this from the outside we can decide that every year we have two Christmases there's going to be a Christmas right. on the 25th of December there's also going to be a Christmas on the 1st and the child gets to benefit from that and you know as we go grow up through life and we go to school and people start going oh what how do you celebrate Christmas in your house what traditions do you have everybody mm -hmm. has different traditions you know there isn't always the same formula even within household to household um, and so what's exciting about that is that you get to as I as you said it design uh, what works best for 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 for, for you and mm -hmm. that gives people so much more choice even when it comes to real relationships and you know I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine who, who was a serial monogamous she was in relationship after relationship after relationship she's been divorced you okay. know she's but she's had very little time of being single whereas I'm the opposite of that I've had the majority of my time has been single with a, few, a handful of, of relationships in between and she sort of made a comment to me where she said you know um that 
that her relationships defined her that her mm. that she got to understand a lot about who she was because of the relationships that she was in and that she worried for me that I didn't have that uh-huh. and you know what I said to her was I have had some incredible platonic relationships, some incredible friendships with wonderful people who have enriched my life in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Friends that I've lived with, that I've, you know, journeyed through through life with, learned from, grown from all of these kinds of things. And yet those relationships aren't celebrated in the same way as 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 being married or being in married couples are. Right. but also the the being single part of my life has also enriched my life in so many ways, uh, being able to travel, being able to have the freedom to do what I want to do, you know, and I know on your website, you know, you to people who are single get to travel more, get to exercise more, get to experiment more with being creative. Um, they're all things that I've been able to do in 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 my life. Um, and yet still people will say to me, what's wrong why are you still single like i don't understand why you're still single why have you not met anybody or you must be too picky it's because you're intimidating it's because you have too much going on yeah. in your life i mean i i literally have had that those conversations multiple times over the last three weeks okay now i mean uh, and that's just a, a, a recent conversation but this has been happening all of the time um that there is this idea that that i am at some way at fault yes. Um, but as you quite rightly said, and I think it, you're you're right, it is a really important thing for the listeners to to hear, is that there is nothing wrong with you or I or any other people living a solo life, but that their escalator is potentially not the right fit for us, and that we can walk up the stairs, we can go in the lift, That's we right. can create, we can a swim new through the ocean, actually- yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. And I think one of the major steps, and again, it helps to go solo, is part of that unconventional thinking is to let go about caring what people think about you, right? Because no one knows what's good for you as well as you do yourself. And no one has the accountability of, it's easy for someone to say, you should get married, you know, but they don't have to walk in your in your steps, you know, you don't have to be in your shoes. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's completely inappropriate for people to do this, um, but it's just because they, we live in a world built for two and they're just defaulting into a norm. And one of the good news is that people will do this less to you the more you lean into this. Like people stop mm-hmm. doing this to me now in my life because I, you know they see my podcast and they go, okay, well, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be able to convert him <laughs> to, to our, <laughs> to our way. Um, yeah, I, my feeling about this and the data back this up is um, uh, married living is not as good as people think and single living is not as bad as people think. And the data are mm. very clear about that. And so they mm. don't even have the science to back up their prescriptions. Uh, and so they don't they don't have um, they don't have the moral authority. And they don't have the scientific authority. They just have an opinion. And we know the saying about uh, about opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I look at it occurred to me what I was thinking today as well, just about why people, so many people stay in unhappy relationships, stay in unhappy marriages. And, you know, again, a lot of that comes to how society is set up and, you know, people don't have the, the ability often to, to exit mm-hmm. unhappy relationships and things. But often you hear a phrase when people talk about that is that they are afraid to be single mm-hmm. again. 
and that word that word afraid that fear uh, which suggests that being single is, is something to fear right. um which you don't often have about being afraid to, to be in a relationship unless you know your feelings get hurt yeah i i mean to me like people getting married should be mildly terrified <laughs> to be honest i mean i i'm saying this in a joking way but the data, right? So um, World Health Organization, I don't know exact numbers, but like 33% of women have um, experienced violence uh, with a partner, 25% of men, right? So one in three women, one in four men have experienced violence in romantic relationships. Uh, th uh, 33% of relationships, um, excuse me, marriages in the United States end in divorce, but only five to 10% have a prenup. Right. You know, um, divorce is one of the great wealth destroyers in the world. Um, you know, you can go on and on with these kind of risks. But, um, you know, because this is what you're supposed to do and and um, because you're so optimistic, it's not going to happen to you. Uh, and so I'm not I'm not saying that people shouldn't do this for these reasons, but they should enter into this with a sense of. Uh, recognizing the upsides and the potential downsides. Yeah, and, and also just in terms of this new way of, of, of living, you know, just that kind of some of those things that you talked about in terms of the demise of society or depopulation or whatever it might be. Also, like, as far as I can tell, <laughs> most catastrophic effects on people who talk about where their life may have gone wrong usually refer back to when my parents got divorced or mm -hmm. <laughs> you know usually it's some kind of thing as my father left my mother or my father was a cheater or my mother was a cheater or something like that refers to this monogamous sort of re relationship that then has some huge detrimental effect on that human being yeah. right which is again when we talk about a demise of society, if we actually remove those things, those potential risks involved with the monogamy being, you know, a cheating being bad or, you know, cheaters being bad, mm -hmm. you know, if you actually remove that, you probably have like less impact on people's mental health, <laughs> which seems to be disproportionately affected by the breakdown of a marriage, right? Yeah, I mean, I certainly believe that um, that escalator riders could benefit from relationship design. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I just had an episode come out about this, which I think is actually it's one of the best episodes that I that I'll ever do because I think it's so practical. But if 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 your parents, rather than divorcing, sat down and had open, vulnerable conversations about what they wanted and what they didn't want, and then reimagined their relationship so that they could maintain a connection. Um, in a way that allowed them to be happier and healthier and thus better parents, I think that, the, you know, the children would suffer less. Um, and I had that conversation today. Mm. I went and had lunch with my potential baby daddy and we talked about what his expectations were, what my expectations were, where our priorities mm. lay, what we wanted, which are probably conversations that very rarely, if ever, happen very between rarely. two people who are you know um so like yeah i i 100 percent you know 
uh, wish and hope that our mission with what we're doing, Peter, with regards to the solo life and, you know, solopreneurism and, you know, living a, a, a extraordinary solo life is something that grows, that expands, that extends, that, you know, continues to to rise and that people become less afraid of it. Um, which is absolutely ridiculous. There's so nothing to be afraid of, um, you know. And and again, I talk about this with because I have guests who come on talking about solo travel. When I went solo traveling, people are like, "Weren't you mm-hmm. afraid? Like afraid of why are we all supposed to be afraid all the time? What's the, what's what's there to fear in being a person living life and you know experiencing new new cultures, meeting new people? I mean, that really is truly why we were all put on this earth. It it isn't to meet someone and procreate. It is to experience all that life has to offer and and all of the ways in which we can do that so you know i'm i'm conscious of time i i would i think i need to have you back on this podcast at some point because you know we could we could certainly talk for more and more and more um about so many different things that we've only kind of even been able to touch upon today it's a it's a fascinating conversation and one that i could have for hours with you um but hopefully this conversation that we are having will spark others to have this conversation and to talk about it over dinner with friends and to relay it to, you know, as many people as far and and why it's to spark conversation about new way of being. Well said. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, look, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, Where can people find you? I mean, you know, I I want people to listen to your podcast. It is absolutely uh, incredible. There is so much content there to listen. But yeah. Uh, you're very Tell kind. Us about your book. Uh, yeah, very, uh, very kind. So, uh, book launches January 2024, so it's forthcoming. Um, you can go to petermcgraw.org/solo. Actually, there's a sign up for the solo community, and you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere uh, podcasts can be found. Yeah, and just I'm very quickly the solo community, as you mentioned, you know, there is a, this 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 community. This is what I've always said that you know, solo people find their tribe, their fight, their fight, find their tribe of fellow soloers. That the, you know, there there isn't this isn't about being a lone wolf or being lonely. It's just about being um, solo together, right? <laughs> so so there is a rising community. There is a, a, a places where you can find out more information on it, and you know, definitely listen to the podcast and yeah, buy the book. So thank you so much, Peter. I really, really appreciate that that chat. Cheers.